The passage that we're about to read this morning begins in those days. In those days. And it's from the Gospel of Mark. And Mark has a habit of asking us to connect the dots. Remember doing connect the dot pictures where you you move the, the pencil from one dot to another dot, you go from number to number, and then as you connect the dots, you, you see a picture emerge. Mark writes his gospel with a certain connect the dots style. And so when he writes in those days, he's asking us to go back to what's come just before what we read today and connect those events with what we're about to read. So what happened before our passage that we're about to read? Mark has just opened his gospel, and Mark has a way of kind of going at a good clip. And what he does is he talks about the messenger and the message. The messenger is a reference to the prophets, or in this case, it's prophets. It's the prophets Malachi and the prophet Isaiah, and he quotes from both, and it it talks about that there's one who's going to prepare the way, the one who goes into the wilderness and is going to prepare the way for the Lord, the coming one. That's an allusion to Isaiah, the beginning of chapter 40. We opened worship reading the end of chapter 40 this morning. The beginning of chapter 40 has this prepare the way. Is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way. So that's the messenger. And that's the message that we're to hear. Now, as it goes forward, he goes on and talks about John, who shows up in the wilderness, that he actually is the messenger. And he's preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance is to be going one direction and turn and go a different direction. The people are coming out of all of Judea, all the countryside, out of Jerusalem, and they're actually seeking this out. They're going into the wilderness because there's this voice that's calling them to do that. Now, you might ask yourself, that's a strange occurrence. People who follow God, who who have been faithful to God, who are keeping his commandments, are still hungry. They're looking for something. And so they're coming and listening to this one, this strange one who's dressed with camel's hair and eat locusts, and he's telling them to turn, to be baptized, to turn from their life, and that their sins will be forgiven. But that's not the only message he gives. He's got a second message he's giving to those who've come out, a message we're to pay attention to. He says, look, there's someone coming after me. There's someone who's better than I am. I'm baptizing you with water, but this person is going to baptize you with the Spirit, the Spirit of God. So in every way, John is fitting that image of what the prophet long ago called for. In the wilderness, a voice is crying, prepare the way of the Lord. 
And that is the background, the first couple of dots that Mark is calling us to connect as we read this passage. Now, let's pray that God would open this word for us. Lord, you know what we need to hear this morning. You know, as we enter this season of Lent, this lengthening of days, this time of preparation, you know exactly where our hearts are and where you desire them to go. So we pray that your spirit would be present, opening to us your word, helping us to hear and take in all you have to teach. We pray your blessings upon us, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan and when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I just said a little few moments ago that Mark challenges us to connect the dots, to build upon what we've heard before. And then what we just now read were almost three separate things. We had Jesus being baptized. We had Jesus being driven into the wilderness by the Spirit and being tempted. And then we have Jesus entering into Galilee and beginning his proclamation. Three separate pieces. Pieces that Matthew and Luke take a lot more time to explain and expand upon, but Mark goes at them one after the other, after the other, quickly. Almost your pencil moving from dot to dot to dot. But a picture is beginning to form. Mark wants you to see that all of this is tied into his proclamation, what he has to say. And particularly in the proclamation, we're going to focus on that word, repent, to turn. Let's go on back. Remember, we, had, we started by, with John the Baptist baptizing people and says, in that time or 
Our peace begins with Jesus suddenly coming and being baptized. Now, what kind of baptism was this? What did we say John was doing? John was doing a baptism of repentance, a baptism of turning, a baptism that was for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus comes and participates, is baptized in this reality. A baptism of turning, a baptism of being forgiven one's sins. But yet Jesus, we are later learn, was without sin. He was sinless. And yet he undergoes a baptism that everyone else was drawn out to. Did he do it just because everyone else was doing it? What's going on? Why in the world is Jesus baptized? What we get in this very first dot in our connecting of the picture is we get Jesus stepping into our place. Already at the start, it's foreshadowing, showing what he's going to do. He's stepping in to our reality. He's taking on our role, and that includes coming and being baptized. He's coming, and he's taking that step of repentance. Though he has no need to repent, he's starting into our life. And notice what happens. As he comes up out of the water, there's an image there of from death to life. As he comes up out of that water, something dramatic happens. We read that the heavens were torn open. Not just opened. The heavens weren't just opened. The heavens were torn open. Did you know on the second day of creation is when the heavens were created? On the first day of creation, we hear that God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that it was good. But on the second day, God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made an expanse and separated the waters under the expanse from the waters above the expanse. And that expanse, separating the waters, keeping them apart, was called heaven. That's what happened on the second day. That space that God created that kept the waters, the chaos at bay. And now when Jesus emerges from the waters, the heavens are torn open. The word is schismata, and it's used very little in the scriptures. The other time it's used is when Jesus dies on the cross, and we're told that the temple veil, the veil that is in the, the most holy part of the temple, when you go into the temple, the priest could go into a certain place, but to go into the holy of holies, the high priest could go but once a year, and that was separated by a temple curtain, that when Jesus died, that temple was schismata. It was torn open. In other words, God, who was kept from us, it was opened up, and now God was fully with us. And when Jesus emerges from the waters, we're told that the heavens are torn open. Something big is happening. God 
is breaking into the world. We had this proclaimed long ago when Jesus came into the world and the angels sang in glory and it was proclaimed to the shepherds. But now the ministry of Jesus is beginning. His journey with us and for us has begun. And it's begun by his entering into that path that we're called to a path of repentance, a path of turning. And as this takes place, as he emerges from the waters and the heavens are torn open, the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus like a dove, descends upon Jesus, and we have now the voice of God as well. The Spirit of God is with Jesus. The Spirit of God. We've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all in one place. And the Spirit of God is now with Jesus. Not that the Spirit wasn't, but there's this moment of fully understanding what John was proclaiming to those who were gathering. I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me who will baptize you with the Spirit. There's going to be an enormous change such that I'm not even worthy to stoop down and tie the sandals of this one. As Jesus emerges from the waters, the heavens are torn open. And when, it's, when you tear something, you don't put it back together. There's opening things and you can shut it. There's opening things where they're meant to be open. But how many of us have done this? You know, it happens in our house all the time. A new box of cereal. The lid gets opened, and it was always a teaching, just getting them to learn how to open that lid properly so that it could shut again, you know, the clasp. How many of you have done this before, right? But then there's that next step, that bag. Opening that bag just so, so that it's open the way it should. But inevitably, we have someone in our house who tears it open. You know what I'm talking about? You just can't get it back. And you roll it down, you try. But the cereal goes stale. When it's torn, you can't fix it. It's torn. A child comes to you with their shirt torn. And the first thing you do is look to see if it's on the seam, if you can repair it right. And if it's not on the seam, you're like, ah. The heavens were torn open. In other words, this was not meant to go backwards and be resealed up. No, God is coming fully in every way into our lives. And then we hear the voice, or rather Jesus hears the voice. You are my son. With you, I am well pleased. On each of the days of creation, we hear at the end, it was good. God was pleased with what he had done. You are my son. With you, I am well pleased. You have begun the course for which I sent you. I am well pleased. This ties in the dots that Mark is giving us. He's not just trying quickly to race to the ministry of Jesus. He's trying to help us to see the image of what and who Jesus really is. There was a message long ago that the prophets were told that there's going to be one who's going to come, 
And not only that, we see that surely, indeed, one was sent to prepare the way. That person was John. And when John came to give the message of repentance and turning and the forgiveness of sins, he said, but I want you to know, I'm not the one. There's one coming after me whose feet, whose sandals I can't even untie. I can't even come near. He's so much greater. He, I baptize with water. He's going to baptize you with the Spirit. And then Mark yanks us from that and says, in those days, Jesus came and he was baptized. But when he was baptized, when he came up out of that water, out of death into life, when he came up, the heavens are torn open and the Spirit of God is on him. And God says, I'm well pleased with you because he's begun the journey with us and for us. And then Mark rips us to the next thing and says, the Spirit took Jesus and he put him in the wilderness. He, he drove him into the wilderness. He was there for 40 days. The wilderness in the scriptures and certainly anybody who would have been hearing this around Mark would have immediately understood the illusion. The wilderness is a place of preparation. The wilderness is a, a time of sorting things out and figuring where we're going. Why is this? Let's be honest. In North America, we can't stand the wilderness. We, we don't know what to do in the wilderness. When we're in those holding places between something we know needs to happen and what hasn't happened yet, we're stuck we usually figure it has something to do with we haven't done the right thing yet or haven't figured it out. We're stuck, but the wilderness is a time of preparation. God was preparing his people after he brought them out of Egypt for 40 years. He was preparing his people. The wilderness is a time of preparation. And we're told also that it's a time in which Jesus was tempted by the evil one, by Satan. Tempted with all the, hey, you know, Matthew and Luke go into more description about what that was like, but tempted with, hey, if you'll only follow me, we'll clean all this up. We'll get you on, a, on the path you want to be on. So often we're looking for that way out when it's a time of preparation. The Israelites, when they were wandering in the wilderness, they, they struggled believing that God was still with them. The God who had brought them out of Egypt with all the plagues, the God who had separated the seas and allowed them to walk through on dry ground. Not muddy ground, dry ground. The God who had delivered them. Now they're in the wilderness and they're wondering, where is God? It would have been better if we had gone back to Egypt and died there. And we hear that the, minister, the angels were ministering to Jesus. That God's Spirit drove him out there, but God didn't abandon him. He was being cared for. Even with the wild animals around him, all that might threaten, he was being cared for. 
Paul is moving us quickly from picture to picture, from dot to dot, helping us to see this picture that Jesus has come. He has been sent into the world, and now he's come of time to begin the ministry, and he enters into our reality. He's baptized, a foreshadowing of his, of his going to the cross for us. And now as he emerges, he's, he's led out to temptation like we all are, and he's ministered to. God doesn't abandon him just like God hasn't abandoned us. And then we move to that third and final part of what we read today. After that time of preparation, after that time in the wilderness, we hear that Jesus now goes back into the region of Galilee. And he begins proclaiming the kingdom of God. And this is what he says. The time has come. The time has drawn near. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news, in the gospel. The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, the good news. Many of us will read that as, now's the time to get your act together, right? Time's come, now's the time. Now is the time to get your act together. But I don't think that that's ultimately what Jesus was saying. A few weeks ago, uh, Ben Egerton was here and he preached with you about that time, that Kairos, God's time. I want to focus more on the repent. Repent. The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, the good news. Repent. We often teach in the church that repenting is turning. Turning from one direction and turning to another direction. The early believers, when they went through a long training, Lent originally was a period of training for new believers. They would go through all this time learning and understanding who Jesus was. And when it came time for them to be baptized on Easter, they would be baptized facing the west where the sun sets, and they'd be brought up facing the east where the sun rises, a turning. Repent is to turn, it's to change direction. Another way of saying it is to change your mind, change the way you think about things and see things. The problem is when we say this, the repenting, turning from and turning to, we often forget to talk about what we're turning from and to what we are turning to. Because the concept of repent, often we take into our minds as it's just stop doing what you were doing. I need to repent for that. Lent is a season of repentance. I need to stop doing that. A lot of people give things up in Lent as kind of a a beginning in that sense of repentance. I need to stop doing that. But Jesus is doing more than calling us to stop sinning. 
Stop doing what we were doing. Just like John the Baptist recognized something was needed, people who were following God, why were they flocking to this guy in the wilderness in a crazy situation who didn't have nice things to say to them, by the way? What were they seeking? They were seeking that which the heart aches for, that which would finally fill us. Repenting isn't just turning away from, it is turning to So many of us know that when we try to give up maybe a a habit that's not good for us, let's just talk about those things that we just know that aren't good for us, that are safe to talk about. Let's say we eat too much, right? We eat more than we should. We don't want to be called a glutton. We can think of other people that are gluttons because they're, they're heavier than we are and eat more than we do, right? But it does no good to just stop eating because More often than not, you just turn to something else to fill that space, right? My mother, who who smoked for so many years, has tried to find other things to turn to. To repent, to stop, to turn, is to turn to. And Jesus was calling us to turn to the good news. The good news. When he said the time is now, the kingdom of God is at hand, he was giving a message of hope. A message that the promises that were listed throughout the Old Testament, that that time had finally come. He was giving a message of hope. He wasn't saying, hey, it's time that you better stop. You're going to be in trouble. Hurry up. Mom's coming. You know, it's not, that's not what it was. It wasn't, you better hurry up. There's a little time left. You better get it figured out. That's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying, the hope that you've promised, all that has been promised is now here. You no longer need to depend on that which you try to fill yourself with. You can now turn to, and he says, believe in the good news. Not believe the good news. Believe in the good news. In other words, live into the goodness of who Jesus is. So many of us find that there's something we're doing that's not good for us, not healthy, so we turn to something else to try and get rid of that, and now we've got a different burden. Jesus is saying that he is the one to turn to, that he's the one who will fill us and make us whole. We're Christians. We're ones who follow Christ, but we're not without sin. We still struggle. That's why the world out there looks in at the world in here and says that we're hypocrites. We say, you're not supposed to do that, and yet we still do it because we still are hungering. Lent is a time in reminding ourselves that the only one who fills us, the only one who can free us from the burdens we carry is Jesus. That our hearts, our minds, our souls, everything about us need to turn to Him. To find our reliance in Him. This is the dots that Mark is connecting. Jesus is saying, repent and believe. Place your hope, place your trust 
in the good news, the good news that God has sent his son Jesus into the world to die for us, that we no longer have to be burdened by the power of sin, that we have authority over it. And the rest of the gospel from here on out is going to open up with vignettes of Jesus doing just that. Jesus showing up in a synagogue and there's a man with an unclean spirit and Jesus says, get out of him. A leper comes across who's been leprous and can't be in the community and Jesus says, be gone. Over and over again, Jesus is cleansing and healing in accordance with his message and his message is the greatest of all, that he has come that we might be set free. This morning, you are not being asked to simply turn during Lent from that which you know you shouldn't do and to turn to good things. That is not the message. That is not the message that Jesus brought. Jesus brought the message that said, repent, turn from that which you've tried to fill your life with, the idols of life, and instead turn to him. For as he said and was recorded in the Gospel of John, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. May we all once again turn to him. Let's pray. Oh Lord, may you help us. Help us to see Help us to see the picture that is formed in Jesus. For indeed, we see the lines are drawn quickly as we move from dot to dot. But we see how gloriously pleased you were with your son, Jesus, that you sent your spirit and that in Jesus is the spirit of you. That in every way we might be freed. Help us, O Lord. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Help us, O Lord. Free us from all that may entangle and ensnare us, the wild beasts around us. Help us, O Lord. Help us to look to you, to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. On Ash Wednesday, those who were here were invited to observe a holy Lent, a time of repentance, a time of reflection, a time of studying God's word and prayer and fasting if you're able, a time of doing good for others because of what God has done for us. We are all invited to observe a holy Lent. Now is a time to turn once again to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And may the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you as well. Amen.